You're gonna wake in three, two, Hello and welcome back to this episode of Wild Wild Westworld. My name is Matt Ballack and I say hello, old friend, to Mr. Sean Fall. Come with us. We are meant for the same path. Very nice. And who uh, can that quote be attributed to? <laughs> just making shit up. Right? I, don't know. I forgot to write down <laughs> a quote, so I wrote that down. No, that was the uh, the subtitle quote from the uh, the the leader of the ghost nation that That's came right. to Maeve. So, yeah. Always with that sneaky ghost nation that I can't figure out <laughs> what the hell they're doing. Don't, don't be going racist now. Hey, nothing racist <laughs> about any of that. They were there first. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, this, I, I was, uh, pleasantly surprised with this one, uh, as compared to the last one. Um, I was pretty disappointed with the last one, but, uh, uh, this one definitely held my interest quite a bit more. Maybe it was just the, the light peppering of Maeve and Dolores that, uh, that allowed me to, uh, to stay with this a little bit longer, but what are your uh, first impressions there? Yeah, it was definitely more, um, I, I feel like any episode that has some more like reveals to it, I'm a lot more satisfied with, with the episode because I feel like yeah. it's, it's moving some of the, the story forward and it's answering some questions at least and creating others. And yeah. That kind of adds to the fun of the show versus just, you know, taking a quick samurai break. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're not a samurai fan, that one was just, that was a little, a little bit of a slog to get through for me. Yeah. I mean, very cool. Like visually and like some good fight scenes and stuff like that. But yeah, I think we lamented about it in the last episode, but yeah, I did uh, find myself looking up whether or not samurai swords could actually hack through bone. But um, beyond that, I didn't take too much away. <laughs> Apparently they can. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, was I know we saw <laughs> some more uh, sword sword play and like, yeah, I'm like, oh, man, why do I continue to eat dinner during the show? When I watch? <laughs> <laughs> I was so like I'm too squeamish to be watching samurais cut arms off <laughs> while eating spaghetti. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I still like I, I, I uh, according to what I read on the Internet, it is very possible for a, a samurai sword to slice through a head. But when I see it happening, it just doesn't seem real. I don't know. That's like I, I can believe the killer robots. I can believe everything else. But that goddamn samurai sword going through bone is just fucking with me. Yeah, it just uh, it just just fucks with me in a I don't want to see it kind of way. <laughs> Well, I mean, just since I'm ranting there, my other big kind of question there is like, you know, in the West world, they can, they have the ability to control the bullets so they could decide whether or not it actually like hurt you. But in samurai world, a fucking sword's a sword. Like in West world, they had to have like special protocol for anyone handling knives or, you know, things. There was like only one of the campers that was allowed to use the ax or something. I remember, but like in oh, show, yeah. or in shogun world everyone's got a fucking sword and like it just seems like you know it's uh well i guess that's what the level up is but it's just yeah it seems a lot more dangerous and uncontrolled yeah maybe that yeah it's part of the level up and that level comes with a whole another set of waivers you have to sign <laughs> totally <laughs> you are constantly observed by a lawyer yeah yeah or it could just be i mean the sword's still connected to a host so they could be like just stopping short 
like they have you know perhaps more precision muscle control to like stop it uh you know millimeters yeah, before making contact with a real but, human that's the thing though like if you're gonna go that crazy like uh you can control the robot as much as you want but you still can't control the human like even just like a subtle like slip of the foot in the gravel is going to take you into that blade versus not i don't know that's just Maybe I'm just uh, over over complicating my worries here, but uh. <laughs> well, I mean, it's still good questions because yeah, you brought up a good point with the whole like axe thing. I remember that like those hosts just being kind of caught in an infinite loop because neither one of them could pick up the <laughs> the sharpened axe to exactly to advance yeah. the story. So yeah, I'm no not <laughs> sure how that how that works, and apparently we'll probably never know because it looks like we're. Leaving uh, the Shogun world. <laughs> yeah, leaving Samurai World and all of this, we've only gained one new party member. Yeah, kind of a cool new party member, the uh, the Ranger Archer. But uh, um, other than that, yeah, uh, I expected to see a lot more. But I was kind of glad that we at least got one party member NPC joining the clan. Yeah, but, something to show for that uh, little side quest. Totally. But I guess we should uh, circle back and start at the start. Uh, what did you think about the uh, the whole Dolores and Beanard in their little glass uh, fishbowl thing conversation at the beginning? Uh, per usual, not not sure when we are or if it's, you know, who's the real bot and whatnot. And then, you know, you just knew that whole fidelity thing was coming. And yeah. so, yeah, I was just like left with a, well, there I go getting confused again. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that part was um, uh, letterboxed, which a, a lot of people have been pointing to as um, the big tell that this is part of the cradle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, when we go into the cradle, you know, spoiler, spoiler alert later in the show, we actually end up going into the cradle, but they go into letterbox when we follow Bernard. So it's just kind of like a visual indication. And we were in letterbox at the beginning of the episode. So I'm pretty sure that this is like... Like, uh, uh, you know, the creation of iterations of Bernard inside of the cradle, much like we saw with like old man Delos out in like real world. But instead of like having to, you know, burn everything every time (laughs) you just reboot. (laughs) It's a much more economical way to do it is doing it all in simulation instead of, yeah, yeah, like you said, burning a whole room and goldfish every time. Totally. Yeah. Poor fish. Right. <laughs> Was the fish a robot too? Fish Does that lives not matter. matter? Yeah. But when, uh, with that, do you, how much, I mean, because it's happening in a computer, does that mean it can happen a lot faster? So like, does that give us any sense of when or what iteration this would be? Couldn't they just rerun that program, you know, a few thousand times a minute until they got to where it needed to be? Yeah, because that's what I was thinking that, you know, even the title of the episode comes from called Phase Space. And yeah, yeah, yeah it's certainly most of what a phase space is, is, you know, over my head. But it seems to be mm-hmm. sort of like all possibilities contained in sort of a 3D space. And then a point in that space is sort of a point in in time for that um, person. And so it's a, you know, representation of what this cradle is, how it's sort of everything, a simulation of every possible position storyline choice that any of these hosts could could make so seems like it'd be a fast way to run tests and run fidelity tests on a um you know post-human hybrid 
Yeah. So are we going to find out that like that little scene that we saw between Bernard or Arnold, Bernard, uh, uh, there was, you know, we're going to uh, zoom out and uh, find out that, that, you know, they're just r- still running this script in the burning wreckage of what used to be the Earth. <laughs> yeah, that that's uh, quite possible. But yeah, it's just gonna be the, the, the Matrix ending. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. It, it opens up so many new new doors that I don't even know where to go with this whole idea of the cradle. Like, I feel like it was just yeah. sort of introduced this season or mentioned right. a couple times. And then. Well, wasn't one of those times that it was mentioned that they got to the cradle or they destroyed the cradle? Like, I, I could swear that was a thing. So I'm still thinking that this is like. I mean, we had that train, which was kind of cool that like tied all of the timelines together, which gave you like a sense that like there was an explosion and all of this happened at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might also be a red herring too. There might be like multiple explosions for different reasons, but um, you know, it kind of felt like that's what they were trying to do is let us know that all of those things happen. And like previously there was a scene, I think in like episode one or two of this season where I think it was Stubbs and some of the other like um, full, full gear Rangers with, you know, uh, dune buggies and whatnot were following the train tracks and they were like in front of the cave that the train goes into. And they said they hit the train. And, you know, uh, I thought that was when they said that they, you know, took out the cradle as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, now I feel like I almost need to like go back and rewatch more of this uh, second season. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's kind of that's sure. It's definitely. Yeah, it's what it's designed for, which is I, I enjoy. You know, it's very few shows that are crafted lovingly enough to make you watch them again. Yeah, it's it's almost like the uh, now that I'm thinking about it, like the face base can sort of be like where you are in the season versus on like based on how many times you've seen previous episodes. So it's like, yeah. oh, you're in the first viewing of the season two. OK, so do <laughs> you think yeah, all this yeah. versus exactly. your second run through and knowing, you know, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that's like the genius of, you know, Fight Club or uh, Sixth Sense. You know, Mm -hmm. they're they're still good movies when you go back and watch them, but it's a completely different perspective than what you had the first time. Yeah, totally agree. So I'm sure like now, yeah, are are there any other scenes that have been like letterboxed that have been noticed uh, in previous episodes? Yeah, that's the thing I got to go back and watch for. Like, I wasn't really picking up on it until like this episode where it was, you know, really obvious. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if they just slipped a few past me in, in previous episodes. Yeah, that's I'm I'm curious about that. And I'm just curious about the whole like, existence of the cradle, because I know Elsie mentions even something like haven't been here in years. Um, it just seems like a really mm. important place to never check up on. <laughs> Yeah, and there was the uh, the line from uh, um, Bern Arnold. Uh, what is it? I, I believe if anyone can write this ship by force of by sheer force of will, uh, it is you. Um, that was when he was talking to Elsie, and like, oh yeah, there, there's definitely something about Elsie because Ford like specifically had her taken out, and then like you know, taken care of, or at least like put away in the cave for Bernardo to go and fetch later. Mm-hmm. So like she definitely has something that, that Ford is using is, is Elsie one of the, the uh, man in black's children or did, did William only have one daughter? 
Yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. We don't, yeah, we don't know any of that for sure. That's true. And the man, and speaking of the man in black, he doesn't even know for sure whether his daughter's real or not. That's true. And didn't her name change? Didn't she? She's Grace now, but she used to be something else, I thought, in the previous episodes when she was like a little girl. I thought there was a different name for his daughter. Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, at least like mm-hmm. seeing her as an adult and before knowing she was the man in black's daughter, thought it, it was Grace the whole time. But yeah, I'll have to, have to kind of look yeah. that up. Yeah, but following along with the uh, the chronology a little bit more, we after that opening scene, we get to uh, uh, Dolores and Teddy, uh, kind of the morning after their their coitus and his reboot, uh, <laughs> kind of uh, uh, interacting for the first time again. And I don't know that that like Dolores kind of seems to at least miss the old Teddy, or like be kind of regretful about re configuring his brain noodle right yeah she does have sort of a look of like i may have made a terrible mistake (laughs) yeah especially like a few i think it's like scene or two after when they're like interrogating the uh the tied up prisoners in front of the train and the one guy just kind of like starts rambling and teddy just shoots him in the face and then they cut to delora dolores and she's just kind of like stunned and inquisitive and like kind of disgusted but like teddy just kind of walks off and wipes off his gun Right. Yeah. She apparently didn't um, up his patience (laughs) on the system. Yeah. Well, I think she like she had her awakening different than he had his awakening. Mm -hmm. And I think she expected more of the old Teddy to stay like we Doris did lose a lot of her old self and becoming this new sort of like uh, wild hybrid. Yeah, that uh, that's true. She got kind of uh, uh, hybridized. But yeah, Teddy was, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of, I, I guess, because maybe because Dolores didn't see herself change from the outside. She's now seeing how the effects can change a person and, you know, how sort of fleeting her relationships with other robots actually is. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could see that, and yeah, you could I mean, definitely so, tell that there was a, a some concern. Mm. Yeah, but then that uh, we don't really get too much more out of that storyline, or other than everyone loads up onto the train. There's that one little moment later where Teddy has his last, uh, his last moment of uh, what would he call that last moment of sympathy or something like that, right, where yeah. he hands the guy in the, the train, guy, the gun, uh, the, the con- not the not conductor, but one of the, uh, employees, just the single bullet in the gun. Yeah. Yeah. Before they, uh, ride off. Uh, yeah. yeah I, how'd you read that? I have to say like, even just the actor that plays Teddy, like he just seemed different, <laughs> you know, like he just like walked and seemed cooler. And I don't know if it was just a, a well done five o'clock shadow, but he just seems like, you know, <laughs> totally different. Yeah. A little five o'clock shadow goes a long way. <laughs> I guess so. I, I would be the person that's fooled by like Clark Kent. Like he has glasses. He's totally different now. <laughs> Well, I, I did see an interview with, uh, is it Rachel Evanwood, the the girl that plays Dolores, mm-hmm. uh, uh, where she was basically saying that being Dolores on Westworld is like at the acting Olympics, where you just kind of like have to go full emotion one way and then stop it and go full emotion the other way. Like there's like, you know, no other real acting experience where you're just like turning everything on a dime constantly. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of, you know, a, a testament to the, the quality of the 
the craftsmanship of the actors that they are able to pull a lot of that off. Like, you know, Maeve just speaking Japanese. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's that's a hard thing. (laughs) Yeah. And there are some moments from like the the full on Shogun World episode where like on second viewing, like, oh, they totally dubbed that. Oh, I'm sure they were dubbing her cleaner and yeah, making the ADR better. But I mean, like even still to my untrained ear, it sounded pretty good. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. There's just yeah, there's so many like the possible like Emmy nods for the kind of act. It's got to be like you said, like a actor's Olympic, but actors dream, too, for being able to. You know, have your characters shift so dramatically too. Yeah, you would think so. I don't know if that would get annoying after a while, just like every day having to play twenty different characters. But right. Yeah. So, uh, did you read that as like, is there still good in Teddy when he hands that guy the gun in the single bullet, or I don't know. Like, (laughs) is there still a little bit of the old Teddy left in there? Right. Yeah. I, I don't know what to what to think about that. If there if there is or not, because there, there seems to be like a little tinge of like resentment in Teddy's voice, too, where yeah. he like mentions to um, to Dolores. But like, well, I guess you fixed that, too, didn't you? Sort of. Uh... Yeah, I, I couldn't. I mean, he's a robot, so it's kind of hard to tell. And, you know, who knows if maybe he's just not the best actor, but I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be like a a, a resentment or like a, you know, just kind of unfeeling acknowledgement of like, this was someone that I used to be, but I don't recognize that old me anymore as being me. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's just he's just being like bad boy teddy like i don't care about anything yeah kind of i mean you know like i i would kind of feel like if you were a robot that got rebooted with different attributes like you wouldn't feel like the same person to me it's always like the sort of cloning argument like if you were to uh you know there's that sort of argument where like you could do um i i you know transportation um like a beaming beam me up you know the whole star trek thing Mm -hmm. like when you get beamed up is it actually you that gets rebuilt or is it your molecules getting completely destroyed and a new version of you getting completely rebuilt on the other end Mm -hmm. so like are you the same person is it that same consciousness i would assume like as a robot it's even like less of a question like when you get rebooted with you know a new firmware it probably just feels like the other thing was a dream or something just you know completely unrelated to you yeah, well, and that's yeah, it brings up a good question too because he also is a host, which means he has like almost a perfect memory. So he has to be yes. able to like go back and and know that his personality was completely different only a day ago. Right, but just because you can remember something doesn't mean you can like identify with it. So is it like that a movie he watched that he, you know, the just because I saw a Schwarzenegger movie doesn't think doesn't make me think that I was Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know? I could know everything about that little story, but and I could remember even seeing the things that happened, but I have never felt that I was Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's just you, man. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'm doing movies wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause I, who, I really don't know like how, uh, and that's part of the whole complexity with, with hosts. It's like, how does memory really affect them? And, And 
and how memory works so differently than it does for for us, you know, analog humans. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess getting into the uh, the more meat of this one, uh, we have the whole Elsie and Bernard uh, trek, um, mainly in the cradle. We don't we see him a little bit uh, before the cradle, but not much happens other than they say we we should probably go to the cradle. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, yeah, Bernard gets uh, his gets melon ball scooped out. Yeah. Uh, well, even before we get there, did you notice the the door was marked as uh, CR4DL? So like it, it was, you know, it was like uh, almost like elite speak for cradle. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, but it seemed more like it was just another room in a whole hallway full of rooms. So like is the cradle just some like i don't know it feels like it's just one of a thousand then when you see it written like that it's a good point yeah i just thought like the number thing was just yeah more like leet speak sort of thing but yeah do you do you think there's like other rooms with like other cradles yeah i mean we we haven't seen the the newman in this show yet the you know ah, 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 i didn't say the magic <laughs> word so i'm like you know they they've mentioned hacking in this episode but i don't feel like the that sort of like everything seems so corporate and everything like for that cradle to be written in leet speak like that just doesn't make sense to me unless it's like an after thing like they started calling it the cradle because it was just you know cr4dl but like that you know i don't feel like that was i feel like the the name on the door came before the name of the room Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So we can kind of work backwards. Like, what does that mean? What does the CR and DL stand for? And this is the fourth iteration of it, you think? Exactly. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, you know, uh, uh, creative resuscitation number four download lab or something. I know. know. Yeah. I thought like download something. Yeah. Something with consciousness, uh, consciousness reorganization, uh, for, (laughs) Uh, uh, dissemination lab. I'm sticking with lab. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll have to to play around with that to see if we can (laughs) crack the code of this. I feel like there's got to be a code. Like they wouldn't have lingered on that shot if it didn't mean something. Um, although again, there's tons of red herring. So who the fuck knows? And there was also some like lead speak in the, um, uh, on the tablet when Bernard was looking at Abernathy's, um, you know, like really? payload file. Oh, I don't think I uh, zoomed in on that far I enough. I think like to, on the uh, password or something or, or something they typed in. But yeah, there's definitely some dollar signs for S's and oh, threes okay. for E's and things like that. So right on. maybe Newman will pop up anyways. Right. But it still, yeah, to actually put it on a plaque on the door seems a bit much. Yeah, that definitely seems un un unpolished Westworld corporate-y. Yeah, I would allow it for a cute conference room name, but <laughs> not for apparently like an infinite possibilities mainframe room. Yeah. So we we get into the cradle there and uh Bernard straps himself in and uh the then fucking Elsie makes some comment about like uh the the interface unit that he straps himself into is for older units that have like articulated skull features or something Mm -hmm. but which what do you 
what version would you assume that that means? Like which one do you, what, what do you think she's referencing when she says the, the version with the articulated skull features? I don't know. Like the, um, like the boy Ford robot where it can just like, yeah, butterfly open his face. Exactly. That was my, my thought. But then like the helmet that comes over wouldn't make sense for any of that architecture. Like, you know, that the boy robot thing was like made to open his face and like present his brain. Wasn't he like, why would it have to drill into the top of the head if it's not made to work with robots like that? Right. So yeah, is there's it modified certain or? interface issues that I'm, I i don't understand because like wasn't at some point like Bernard able to go through like a wrist to like hardwire into a, another host? Uh, yeah, they can. They were able to uh, use his little iPad to connect in through a little wrist port to get to some of the features. But from what I from it doesn't seem like that's the same as actually removing the brainstem and jacking straight in. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just the a, a bandwidth throughput issue. Yeah, possible. Yeah, because I yeah. mean, there's so much going on that you would. Yeah, that's like the the full well, open like tr- pipe. Well, yeah, if you're going to try and transfer files between two hard drives, like if you do it through USB, it's going to take forever. If you mm-hmm. take it out and put it in the computer and do it through, you know, serial ATA or something, it's going to be a lot faster. So, yeah, maybe just the the connection issues, technology crap. But uh, we kind of get those flashbacks of Bernard in that scene uh, walking through and uh, picking up the the mind globe from the other uh, 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 in what the... Uh, secret lab or whatever from mm-hmm. previous and uh so w- uh what do you think that ball was do you have any further clue at this point i mean i thought that it was like they were leading you to believe that it was dr ford's consciousness in the mm-hmm. in the little marble yeah because because he says like he remembers being there before or that he left something or someone there so i thought maybe that was like when he killed all those drone hosts and grabbed the the little orb that he was grabbing Ford's consciousness to install into the cradle. Mm. Yeah. I assumed it was supposed to be Ford, but I'm also kind of like thinking that it was possibly the real Bernard. So like there might've been a switch in there, which is why we have like these kind of like two weirdly connected Bernards and Arnold's. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I definitely think there was a backup of Ford being made at some point. But has Ford just been chilling there playing the piano for the last two weeks or eternity inside of a computer? <laughs> right. Yeah, because that's what I understand uh, as well. Like also like the relationship between the cradle and sort of the quote unquote real life Westworld or or hosts. So like this was the cradle was originally designed just as a way to sort of run simulations and just sort of test out storylines. But now it can somehow like also interface and change and yeah that's true that definitely leans more towards the the ford uh brain ball download because that's what i'm wondering and like is that the the cradle is that what like mave is tapping into when she does her sort of you know jedi mind tricks and stuff i wonder if that's just like uh more of like a paladin power where she's you know asking ford her god to do these things so like is she just communicating with ford and then ford's actually pulling the levers or is she like tapping into the the base controls 
Yeah, I'm not sure. And I mean, I'm sure these are like because these are newfound powers. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's something that like, you know, she it, it didn't happen directly when she upgraded. It happened kind of randomly and arbitrarily at some point. So it feels like that kind of matches up with, you know, Bernard sneaking the Ford brain ball in. Yeah, that's quite possible. I was thinking of Maeve, like it's sort of like a meditation or prayer to our Ford and father. Exactly. Yeah. She's Ford tough. (laughs) Built Ford tough. Totally. Uh, But speaking of Maeve there, uh, we have her, uh, her, you know, kind of storyline escaping from the, uh, the uh, Shogun world there. Um, I I did find it much more interesting this time. Um, that one was, uh, I don't know. I felt like the, maybe it's just because we didn't spend near anywhere nearly as much time, but I thought the, the, you know, the battle sequence between the, um, you know, the, what the Shashi or something. Yeah. I can't do any of the names. The double swords. Exactly. Yeah. The, the two fights, the, the, yeah, the fight sequence between the two kind of main Shogun guys there. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was a, a pretty well done fight and it didn't go on too long to be boring, which I think the older I get, the more I find just fight scenes boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more of like a good job, you guys. Like that must have been a lot of work. <laughs> it was no longer like as entertaining to watch. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I did think the, uh, uh, you know, the ending was kind of cool, but I I, I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. Are they like trying to show us that the Shogun world people aren't exactly conscious or they're still following their programming to an extent? Or is that just like a cultural difference that like, you know, even given the choice, these people would choose to stay in their world? Yeah, I, I think it's just maybe to show kind of a dichotomy or difference between Maeve and Dolores and how they are, you know, trying to wield their own powers. Where mm-hmm. it's like Maeve sort of lets people make their own choices, even if she knows they're not the best ones or what she wants them to do. She sort of lets people use their own free will, whereas True. Dolores just will reprogram you. Yeah, that's a good point. It's uh, the whole white hat, black hat, switcheroo thing. Yeah. And we see maybe even like not only acquiring new hosts to follow along in the party, but she's even convinced some some straight up humans or at least one tech. You know, is it Sylvester? Yeah, that's true. Is that Sylvester or is that? Uh, oh, no, that's Felix. Yeah, Felix it, uh, right from Honk Kong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, um yeah, that's like I'm still not convinced that he's not a robot. <laughs> like, <laughs> those two guys just kind of have like no reason to be there. I don't understand why they're like still taking them along. If they have Sizemore, why do they need these like useless texts that don't know anywhere near as much as Sizemore? Yeah, no, I think I've been struggling with that same question, even from other episodes, other than just like having a familiarity with them, but. Yeah, yeah they, they just don't like, seem to serve any unique like purpose. Exactly. Are they like Maeve's pets or something? She just mm-hmm. kind of likes keeping them around because they helped her at one point. Right. Yeah, mm. I don't know. Maybe th- maybe they are just there to show that they're even willing to follow a, a host leader, or at least one of them is, and and to show that Maeve's like sort of building a team of people that choose to follow her, versus a, a Dolores who's sort of a follow me or die sort of uh, way to yeah. go. It's a decent theory. 
uh, I'll, I'll go with it for now. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Till next episode and everything gets proven wrong again. Exactly. Um, I mean, I try not to watch too much previews, but I do keep seeing the uh, the preview where there's like a shot of, I think, is it, um, uh, what what's the uh, girl from uh, Delos, the sort of boss lady? Um uh, God, I can't remember her fucking name. Oh, is it Hale um, or something? Yeah, Hale, where Hale is like in cold storage and she's like in front of like 30 or 40 Bernard's. Uh, uh, Bernard bots. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm, uh, I don't know where that goes in. I'm, I'm mad that I saw it. And I'm sorry for those of you that didn't see it, that just I told, but it is uh, <laughs> something that, that bothers me. Um, I don't know where that falls in, but I, I don't know. Is Maybe that's just a red herring. Maybe they're shooting shit and just showing it to us to fuck us up. Yeah, because I think they even showed like a real brief clip of that in sort of the, the season two teaser um, thing that mm. dropped before the season was started. Exactly. Because yeah. Yeah, I saw clips of like multiple Bernard or Arnold bodies or something. I'm like, well, this is going to get confusing. <laughs> Yeah. Or is that just like all the old versions as, as you know, uh, Ford was tinkering with Bernard and upgrading him. He just kind of constantly kept making him with the newer body versions. Right. Right. Yeah. They're they're just the different like upgrades in technology. Right. Is it an arm? Is it an army of Bernards or is it the old obsolete versions? Ooh, I like Bernarmy. (laughs) The Bernarmy's coming for you. (laughs) Yeah, speaking of like the army too, that we did see like apparently the uh, extraction team show up too. Mm-hmm. Parachuting pretty, in. Yeah, with pretty led by a pretty glorious mustache. Yeah, yeah. I think it was around that time where there's a shot that I hadn't seen before or hadn't noticed, but it was like a shot of the uh, the sort of uh, Delos complex on top of the bluff, which was kind of a, a cool uh, new perspective of why everything is so weird. Like hmm. everything, you know, why everything is like so vertical and everything is so like, you know, it it feels like almost everything is a basement level of a basement level of a basement level. Mm-hmm. But then that, that starts to make sense when you know everything is inside of a giant bluff got it yeah yeah i guess i didn't uh i didn't remember that sort of pullback where you see more of the landscape like that yeah it's almost like they just built a giant skyscraper and then probably just put a bluff around it or something right (laughs) yeah we also got like a little glimpse of uh of uh abernathy being um in (laughs) captivity and like just bolted to a chair yeah some might say crucified i know yeah there's so many like it's like a like just like religious symbolism salad there's so much going on yeah yeah the uh there were quite a number of bolts going in uh we see like four and then there i think there's the sound of like two or three more going in so i'm not exactly sure where those went in but i feel like they should shouldn't there be like a standard better way of controlling a robot like have have they always just been so under control that like you could just tell them to stop like they've never gone bad before right yeah i just felt like they're Probably would have been a better way to to do that, but maybe just showing it's still like, boy, us humans, we were still a bunch of dicks. 
but like, why would he have that nail gun handy? Like, <laughs> That's a good point. What yeah. else do they use that for? Other than can't have any other practical purpose when rebuilding. No. Unless there's like a Frankenstein <laughs> that actually has bolts in his oh, neck. Time for a new Frankenstein. Give me the nail gun. <laughs> or Frankenstein's monster. I don't want to hear about it. Oh, God. <laughs> well, at least someone would be sending his emails. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh so i think we know like uh what else like did, any other major things happening other than we know the the big reveal at the end we have uh we see our dr ford playing the player piano yeah we uh we see the um reflection the well we, it like we see a very busy um uh sweet water and then we see a dog that has no business being in Sweetwater. Yeah, it's uh, his old uh, greyhound. Yeah, yeah. They, they, there's been they've kind of made a point to show a dog in Sweetwater before, but it's never been that greyhound dog that uh, uh, little little Ford robot wanted to kill. Mm-hmm. What, what did we ever get any? Uh, uh, I don't know. That we were getting closure on that. Right on. I think that He's was more of like to say that like the Ford like, like to mutilate animals or that maybe that like Bernard or not Bernard, but Arnold had some sort of hold on the park in, in some way. Mm. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was like more about what like uh, the robots going bad or if that was more about like that's actually something that Ford did when he was a kid. Yeah, because yeah, though I forget the uh, the specifics of the the Greyhound story, but it was like where his dad had to kill it because of uh, it killed something. It was just doing what it was meant to do as a, an animal. Uh, that yeah, that's right. That was uh, that was Ford's story. That wasn't the way it actually played out in the, the with the little robot Ford. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Ford story was something about like the uh, the Greyhound was just like uh, you know spent its whole life sh- chasing the the rabbit, and then like I think one day he got a hold of a rabbit and just like tore it to bits. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and, and then like yeah, I had to get put down or something, and so yeah, there it was certainly like that's maybe that's Ford's. It's certainly his rosebud, if you will. Typical old yeller, right? <laughs> And then we also, uh, I mean, just to bring the, because uh, didn't we also see Dolores playing the piano when we first kind of cut, catch back up with her in yeah, yeah. Sweetwater? When Teddy, yeah, when Teddy comes in to, uh, to bug her about not being on the train already. Yeah, and again, it's something we've never seen happen before. And then we also see Ford playing the piano at the end. Like, can Ford mm. sort of be, is he the ghost in the machine? Can he like just sort of... Oh, is he pulling the levers and uh, Dolores? Yeah, or can he just sort of, you know, dance around the system and all of a sudden, like, take over the consciousness or, or you know, influence things? Yeah, I feel like if Bernard snuck in the Ford marble, then Ford is just, you know, running loose inside of the fucking uh, the cradle and somehow figured out how to connect the cradle to the rest of the peoples. Right. Yeah, because we Maybe. we've seen Ford still talking to the man in black, even though. Yeah, well, I mean, if if Bernard was the one that, uh, or I'm sorry, if Ford's marble was the one that Bernard actually took in, that just kind of goes to uh, almost like that Ford was planning this whole thing, and this has all been part of it. Like he was planning on reincarnating himself as a a robot in the future. 
Yeah, I really don't know. So I would think this was like a, a cool episode in terms of setting or I mean, we, we had some reveals for sure, which is great. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's sort of a, a setup episode. Yeah, where, this is definitely more setup. So I'm definitely excited for the next one because, yeah, it just it it raised more questions than it answered for me. Yeah, yeah. Which was, I don't know, maybe they're establishing a rhythm like you get one episode that uh, pays off a lot then the next one's kind of boring. Then we set up a bunch, then we pay off a lot and the next one's kind of boring. <laughs> uh, one thing I did uh, did notice on my notes here that we missed, though, was um, uh, fucking uh, um, the man in black and or I'm sorry, I should William and his daughter around the campfire. The whole uh, uh, the did you like the elephants or not thing? Yeah, like on first viewing, I thought that he just literally forgot or didn't know because he was just like a distant or bad dad. But mm -hmm. was it like a fidelity test that he was doing as well? And who was doing the fidelity test? Like, <laughs> right. I still don't know which of them is robots, if either of them are robots, if if both of them are robots. I don't really understand. But I think there's I mean, that's a really big red herring to introduce her character as like thinking everyone's a robot and having to shoot a guy before she fucks him. And then like there's this whole weirdness with her and her dad and not remembering things. But, yeah, the first time I just totally wrote that off as him just being a confused you know aloof father that confused his wife with his daughter which is totally plausible versus right. uh him being a glitchy or badly programmed robot yeah and it's also he kind of pulled the same thing where it's like they'll never think i'm a robot if i accuse them of being a robot first that's true because he yeah. did sort of like you're stooping so low for like bringing a daughter bot into the mix <laughs> very true uh yeah, I don't know. Everyone's a robot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks for joining us in Wild Wild Westworld ahead. Hope you had a wild, wild time in our wild, wild shenaniganery. Uh, if you want to uh, yell at us, you can join our Facebook group. I think it's just Wild Wild Westworld on the Facebooks. Um, you can uh, yell at me at uh, text in the B4 and calling on Twitters. Uh, Matt, do you have a tweet? I do. Um, yeah, I'm kind of in the process of switching over to just my real name on Twitter. So you can find me at Matt Ballack. That's B-A-L-L-E-K and Matt, M-A-T-T. -T. Right on. And uh, be sure to check out all the fine shows on the Fallcast Network. We've got uh, Going Down on South Park, Paula Tinkering, Text Before Calling, and apparently our new number one show, Literally Literary, which I'm not sure why the hell anyone listens to. <laughs> Join us, won't you?